All right, all right, all right. Um, something a little bit different this week. There was a concept that I was playing around with with somebody else, and uh, we came up with a few pilot episodes of a new concept where I interview people who have had real paranormal experiences. So we actually made two episodes, and I'm going to be sharing them with you today. The first one is a first-hand account of the Hanover haunting, which has been considered as one of the most aggressive cases of demonic infestation of all time. This episode is particularly intense, so listener discretion advised. Second episode, shorter episode, is a guy who had a real-life encounter with the Grim Reaper. Both should be uh, fairly interesting and definitely a change of pace from our typical type of programming. But in any case, please enjoy these two pilot episodes of my yet-to-be-realized podcast, What Was That? I'm your host, Nick Taylor, and welcome to What Was That? Of the many notable hauntings that have gone down in recent history, names like the Amityville Horror come to mind, as well as the Enfield Poltergeist and the Perrin family haunting in Rhode Island, the latter two being the inspiration for The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. One of the lesser known but equally terrifying supernatural occurrences in recent history happened in Pennsylvania to Deanna Simpson. After getting remarried, Deanna was moving into a new house to start a new life with her husband, only to realize that she and her family had entered a house of hell. What followed was some of the most violent and extreme paranormal activity ever reported in North America. The decade-long case was forever to be known as the Hanover Haunting. Let's listen to Deanna's story now. Deanna, thank you for being here with us today. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. How did you first discover the house on Maple? My husband's a pharmacist, and there was a woman named Shirley who was a pharmaceutical tech, and mm-hmm. she told Tom that this house was going up for sale because she knew that we were looking for a house. Mm-hmm. So she informed Tom. Okay. And there was something that drew you to the house initially, from what I understand. As soon as we went to go look at this house, I was completely drawn to it because it reminded me of a childhood home that I'd had growing up with my mom and dad and my brother in um, in Kentucky. What was the first instance of any activity where you realized that something was not quite right? I mean, you this, fell in love with the house, moved into the house, and when did things just start to not feel right? Things started moving, uh, not feeling right the day that we actually moved in. My husband had to work that week and I took the week off. And as soon as we got the keys to the home and we were all excited taking pictures of the house, uh, we were moving boxes in this and that. The very first night that I slept there, I, I just couldn't sleep. I just felt restless and mm-hmm. my husband just chalked it off to new beginnings, um, that we were under a lot of stress emotionally and financially since we had both been through divorces. And he was like, you got to make it your home in order for you to feel comfortable in here. 
All right. So there was some initial, just the overall tensions of moving into a new house and both having overcome some personal hardships. At what point did you realize that the house was occupied, for lack of a better term? It happened rather quickly. When Tom and I would go to bed at night, uh, as soon as I went to bed and would fall asleep from just exhaustion from moving and everything, mm-hmm. I started immediately having dreams of, uh, I started seeing two men very vivid in my dream. One was tall. He had a square, slender jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a comb over. He was parted on the side. He looked like he was something, somebody from the, from the sixties. And then there was another man that was shorter statue. He mm-hmm. was slender. He had suspenders and he had a little cigar. I kept having these dreams of, of the men. And I remember telling my husband who laughed it off as a joke and just said, um, I said, Tom, I'm really dreading going to bed tonight. I keep having these two men come to my dream and, you know, come to me through a dream. And he just said, won't you ask them what they want? All right. So as I, so I was falling asleep and I had my back towards Tom and I felt somebody caressing my hair and initially I felt it on my forehead and then I, I felt my hair being caressed to the back of my head. I thought it was Tom, but when I opened up my eyes, the two men that I saw that were in my dream were now standing alongside of the bed. Oh my God. And when I opened my yeah, when I opened up my eyes, they were just standing there. And I started hitting Tom and I looked at them and I just was like, what do you want? What do you want? And they both shouted real loud, but each one of them were shouting through their mind. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, like you could not. Yes. And they were like, get out. And I mean, they were just shouting. And did they, Mm -hmm. when they appeared, were they ectoplasmic? Could you see through them? Or was it like there were two humans in the room? You could see through them, but you could see every detail of them. Okay. These were the exact people who were in your dreams. And when they were in your dreams, did they attempt to speak with you or interact with you or any way? Was there, what would happen in the dreams before they actually made an appearance? In my dream, I just remember um, just looking at them like, this is odd. Why I didn't feel scared. I just remember looking at them like, you have a message. Do you want to tell me something? Why yeah. am I dreaming of you? You're not my family. You know, like I didn't understand. And, and they would just stare at me. And then from there, other things started happening. That's correct. Um, it. It rapidly progressed. I remember uh, we bought our home in February, and it was an Indian summer day in February, and I took my rake, and I thought I would fluff up the grass mm-hmm. and just kind of pull some weeds and fluff around. And as I was looking down at the ground and I was raking, I heard this very uh, geriatric, very elderly woman's very frail voice she was like, hello, my dear. And I, it was almost like a witch. I looked up at her like stunned. Like I looked both ways, like, where did you come from? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, hello. And she says, what's your name, dear? And I said, Deanna. And she, she's like, well, Deanna, good luck to you. You're going to need it. What? And I said, yeah. I said, what? Excuse me? And she says, oh, my dear, 
there was a boy that was killed in your basement. She says, oh, you're going to have to love that house. And I said, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait one moment. Wait a minute. And I put down my rake. And as I was taking off my gloves, she's like, good day to you, dear. And I said, wait a minute. And I took off my gloves and I looked up and she was gone. Gone. Just gone. Gone. Boom. And I mean, I looked on both sides of the street. I walked on Maple. I mocked. I walked on Monroe. I looked down both ways. She was gone. Well, how did you interpret that at first? You need to love this house. Yeah, and wishing me good luck. I'm gonna need it. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot to swallow. It's a lot to swallow, and I just stood there and I looked around, like what just happened here? Like, I could not let it go all day. I just couldn't wait till Tom got home because I just couldn't let it go. Mm -hmm. I couldn't wait to tell him. Did you ever see her again? Never saw her. Never saw her again. Okay. Any idea who Mm -hmm. she was? Were you able to confirm any identity or? On that particular situation, I never confirmed the identity on her. She appeared... Like the one of the first days as shortly after you'd moved in. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, that okay. is correct. So after that, you'd receive some sort of a prophecy from someone. Then mm-hmm. what began happening in the house? Well, I had a cat named Skittles, and she was about 14 years old. And as I continued, and she was healthy. She mm-hmm. was a healthy 14 years old. Always went to the vet twice a year, got her shots. Everything was fine with this cat. Now, she was stressed out because I took her from one home to another, Mm -hmm. but she was very frightened of the home. She would run under the bed. She would go from the bed to the chair, run under the chair, go run under the couch. I've heard animals are hypersensitive to paranormal activity. Very much so. As we were uh, in the house, we, we were watching these very odd behaviors of her. So it got to the point where... I could call her out from the couch and feed her, and but she would go to her litter box to the closet. She wasn't coming out of the closet. It got to the point where I took her to the vet. The vet gave her Prozac. The vet just said it was, you know, a new house, new smells. She'll be okay. Uh, she, she never got okay. She started to not eat. She started to get dehydrated. Back to the vet's office, more tests, more blood work, urinalysis. Cat was fine. Returned back to the house. The cat kept crying. It was a sad situation. It she was so afraid of the house, she would not come out of the closet for nothing. I had to move her litter box in there. I moved her food and water. So the cat knew something was very wrong with the house. Very wrong to the point to where it ended up taking her life. Oh my gosh, Um, how did that happen? Um, she just, uh, it was too much for her and I didn't realize that, um, at the time I, uh, I, I'd never, um, had to deal with or be exposed to a real haunted house Mm -hmm. and I didn't 
know in my heart the warning signs. Like, you don't move in and go, oh, well, my cat's acting weird. The house is haunted. Well, at this point, having had the visitation that you had with the two older men, yes, as well as the yes. prophecy from that older woman, and now the cat yes. was acting strangely, at what point did you start to realize this house is haunted? I started to realize that the house was haunted when I was in the house unpacking and you would get that uneasy sense of feeling that you weren't alone. You right. started getting goosebumps. Uh, when I was alone, I was doing laundry and would go upstairs. And as I was folding the laundry, when I knew it was haunted is all of a sudden I'd be folding the clothes and I would hear, and I would be like, what? Oh, my gosh. Was it really close to you? Like, What was the proximity of where the voice was coming from? Initially, it was just in the room. Okay. So initially, I was hearing my name. And that I did not share with Tom because I thought, oh, my gosh. I am now hearing things. I'm not just hearing things. I'm hearing my name. And had you for and, a second thought that it was that it was you that like I need to get more sleep or it must be stress or or did you part yes. of you know that you were hearing the voice of something unholy? Well, my daughter's a psychologist. So when I told my daughter this, she was like, Mom, you're under a lot of stress. <laughs> you're going through a divorce. You just started a brand new job. You got a new love in your life. You you're merging in children the adult children. You've taken on a lot. It, you just need more sleep. You need to get away. You need to find a happy spot and and you'll be okay. All right. So, but it didn't stop from there. Yes. Then one day I, I was once again, I went upstairs because our ma main bedroom was upstairs. And then what had happened is I went upstairs and I was folding laundry. And this time it was right in my ear. And I felt the breath and it was Deanna. and when I felt the breath I just dropped my clothes and I was like oh, Tom Tom and then I went downstairs I looked and I didn't I didn't see Tom and then when I came back upstairs and started refolding the laundry like get it together get mm -hmm. you some iced tea get it together get upstairs do the laundry so this time it was back in my voice, the, I mean, back in my ear, it was Deanna. And then this time I got a big scratch across the back of my neck where I was folding laundry and I just started screaming and I ran downstairs and I, I knew at that point that something is going on. This is this is not the normal. I'm not stressed. This house is haunted. Wow. I yeah. can't imagine what I would have done. Were you still receiving the visitations from those people that you had seen in your dreams before? No, no, that stopped. This house haunted you. You would have an episode. And then it moved on. And then you had another episode and then it moved on. And then you had another. It was constantly ever changing. It, so the experiences um, were changing or the, the encounters were differing every single time. Yes. And see, and what had happened 
I went to work. I was, I was just so tired. I didn't want to go to bed. I was starting to become afraid of my own environment. Mm -hmm. I stressed it to my husband. He contributed to stress. I said, you're right. You're right. It's it's just stress. I started talking about it at work Mm -hmm. to the girls, you know, where I worked at a local hospital. And, uh, one of my girlfriends said, you need to get a paranormal investigator out there. And I just know the team. I have the team for you. And they came out and I've never had a paranormal investigator out before. And when they came out, they were very nice. They uh, took pictures. They were there for a good part of the evening, did a lot of EVPs, explained everything that they were doing, and then came back to the house with their evidence. It was confirmed at that point that when I was going, you know, when I was in the house, when they were investigating, the house was very strong and had a lot of intelligent EVPs. They were answering the paranormal investigators, oh, wow. which blew me away. They were answering them. And it wasn't like, you know, um, are, if they said, are you male or female? It wasn't, oh, yeah, listen, that was, no, it was none of that. It was, are you a male? Are you a female? And then they would pause and it would be male. But wow. it would be like in the, it would be like in a whisper. It'd be like, you okay. know, like so they were very responsive, very reactive. And very, usually, when you I mean, when you see any EVPs taking place, you really have to listen for it. And then you kind of think you may have heard a word, but in this case, it was unmistakable or undeniable. That's correct. It was undeniable. So, what did you start finding out about these entities during the EVP process as they were asking questions? I mean, obviously, there was a male entity. What else did they find out? Yes. They found out that there was a male entity, that there was a little boy there, and that there was a woman there. But now with this paranormal group that, you know, um, like I said, they were a a good group. But I am finding out that in the paranormal world, everybody has their opinion. There's a lot of different theories. There's a lot of different bases, which I enjoy because Mm -hmm. I learn a lot that way. But it was their opinion that it must have just been a previous owner that maybe loved the house and might have been a child that they loved. And maybe, you know, they were thinking it could have been a residual haunting. And they were just explaining that, oh, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. The people that live here just think of it as. You know, you're living with the previous owners and don't, don't, don't stress over it. Like okay. they actually comforted us. They actually told us to embrace them, talk to them, explain to them that you're the owner, that you will, you're willing to live with them, but you are the owner. So that's what I did. And that was a huge, huge mistake. Well, what began happening? I started engaging with them and they were like, oh my gosh, um, she can hear us. She senses us. She can feel us. It really became, really became active. And when it really became active and the more I engaged, more things started happening. Like, for example, when we were upstairs in the bedroom, we would hear slam, 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 slam. And... I was like, oh, my God, what is that? And I would go downstairs. And as on my way down the step, 
it smelled like your grandma was making a apple pie. So you were getting these uh, bakery smells. And then all of a sudden, there was a few kitchen cabinets that were open, like maybe like three on top and two on the bottom. Okay. So then I called the investigators again, and they're like, oh, don't worry. It's residual. She's cooking. She's this. It's, it's, it's okay. You've been at the house for how long at this, by this stage? I was probably only there maybe six months. Okay, six months. So they're saying you're smelling the cooking. They're saying this is residual activity. You just have to let them go about their, their day, so to speak. Yeah, let them just go about. And it's okay. Don't worry about it. I was like, okay, well, then it started to become like, you know what? I'm going to do my own investigation. Okay. I'm going to go down to the York County Courthouse, and I'm going to go to the Historical Society. And I'm going to look up as much information about this house and the two previous owners. And I'm going to go to all the neighbors, and they're going to think I'm a whack job. And I'm going to go to everybody that is older. And mm-hmm. I'm going to go to their house and I'm going to be like, hey, I live on the corner. I'm Tiana Simpson. Nice to meet you. Tell me about this house. Tell me about. So I started doing my own investigation. When I started getting my own investigation going, then it became more intense. More things were happening. Like I started getting a lot of smells, like cigar smells. Mm-hmm. We started hearing gun shots. Oh, my God. We would be dead asleep, and then all of a sudden, it'd be like, boom, boom. And Tom, being very practical, he would just be like, it's a backfire. So It's a car backfire. It was so loud, it was within the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could hear it within the house. Well, one day, we were sitting downstairs in the family room, and we were watching TV. And as we were watching TV, uh, all of a sudden, we started hearing this, you know, we started hearing this gunshot. Well, Tom and I, uh, we were like, where'd that come from? And I said, it sounded like it came from the basement. Now we had just took the basement and made it into a beautiful family room. And we Mm -hmm. had a big walk-in closet and put a hearth fireplace down there. And it was just so beautiful hardwood floors it was just beautiful and um we went downstairs and we didn't hear anything and we looked in the fuse box and we're just like everything's fine well tom's like come on let's go let's go look at our closet and let's decide you can have the left half and i'll take the right half and we're just talking we're carrying on. We're talking about, I'll put my Christmas ceramic Christmas trees and my Halloween decorations over here. And mm-hmm. Tom's like, I'll use, you know, so we're just being a husband and wife, loving, loving, you know, what we've done to the home. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this woman screams, oh my God, just don't stand there. Go get help. Go get help. Just don't stand there. Go get help. Please go get help. Help me. Help me. And she starts weeping. And this is just and, a voice. Yeah, we were in the closet downstairs. And and we're like, oh, my God, Tom. I said, somebody out 
outside needs our help. So Tom and I ran up the basement steps. We ran upstairs. I said, Tom, you take the front door and I'll take the back door. So we run out. And as we run out, Tom's searching all in the front of the house and he's looking around and I go out the back door and I'm looking around and Tom and I meet in the middle and I'm like, did you see anybody? And he's like, no. And I said, we both heard it. Somebody needs help. And then we were both like, wow, that really scared us. So I said, Tom, let's go back downstairs. And he said, okay. So we both went back downstairs. And then when we went downstairs to the same spot, I said, that is so odd. And he said, that was really odd. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, this man said, he starts screaming. Don't just stand there. Go get help. Oh, for the love of God. And now he is weeping and screaming and just just whelping. And, oh and now the woman is screaming and crying and like like they were holding somebody mm -hmm. that was dead. They were just beyond themselves. So this time I said, oh, my God, Tom. And he said, what? I said, listen. And they were both crying. I said, it's coming from the wall. And it was inside the wall that we had just built where there was brick. We, we didn't even bother to run outside. It was coming from within the house. And is it continuing? Are they still, do you still hear the crying sounds? as you're having this conversation with him? Uh, yes. Yes. And he's a non-believer at this point, or a skeptic. Very much so. Okay. Wow. So you were doing a lot of investigating about the history around yes. the house and the location, and this must have prompted you to want to find out even more. So was there anything oh, yeah. that you found out about what happened in the basement? I was kind of coming upon a brick wall as far as like what I found. I even went to the Gunthry Library at the Pennsylvania Real Room and I was, what really got me going is I, I plugged in one of those old reels. And as I was looking at the previous owner, I was absolutely floored because when it said Mr. Blah, 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 I'm not going to say his name for the privacy of the families that still live here. It showed a picture. I'll say his first name is Clayton, but it showed his picture. And when it showed Clayton's picture, I was floored because it was the tall man with the square jawline with the comb over and it was him. And then I was on a quest and I started asking the people that were working in the Pennsylvania room gave him the address of my home. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Mr. So-and-so. Uh, his name was Lynn. He lived in your house. He was the second owner. And when I pulled up his death record, it showed um, a picture of him. He was also the second man that was in my dream. So once I had confirmed this, I said, Tom, do you mind if I get another investigator out here? I want to get another team out. And I mean, I was on this search mm -hmm. to know more, to know more, to know more. Give me something that I could go investigate. Give me a name. Give me anything. Right. 
we were told by a local that uh, the first owner of the home had had an affair. The child had Down syndrome. When the woman, the mistress, took the child, went away, she came back with the boy when he was about 14 or 15 and said, here, you take him. I, I, I can't deal with him anymore. And she dropped him off. Turned out, we found out from some locals. And like I said, this is hearsay because I'm, I'm going on evidence uh, from a deceased family whose children, you know, came back and told me what they had heard through the family. But what had happened is the boy came back to live with his father and Clayton's brother, Raymond, the rumor was, is that he started to sexually molest this boy who had Down syndrome. And when this boy was being molested, the only way he could handle it, his his dad had a burned barrel on the property. And if your cat strayed in his yard or if you, uh, if he found a puppy or what have you not, he would throw the animal in the burn barrel while it was alive. Oh my God. Yep. And then it turned out we found out that the boy He had threatened his uncle, I'm telling my dad what you're doing to me. And that day, they said the boy supposedly mishandled a firearm and killed himself in the basement. But then coincidentally, the same day, the uncle blew his head off at his sister's house in New Oxford. Oh, my gosh. Yep. So, so there was incest and my gosh, a poor boy killed animals, found out that both of the men that had lived there had been, I think they were under the influence of the house, had been alcoholics, mm-hmm. were abusive to their wives and um, found out that the daughter of the second family, she loved to play the Ouija board because it was just a game, right? Oh. And played uh played the Ouija board in the house. We found out a lot had uh and once we were on the dead files and we had Steve and Amy with us and then once the exposure came out with us being on the dead files, um our episode was called The Assaulted, things really opened up and a lot of people were very, very forthcoming. They were sending us letters, dropping off letters on our front porch. It became a shrine. Did the activity shift at all? Did it either ramp up or did it slow down now that you knew who these people were and what had happened? It ramped up tenfold. And you know what? That's one thing that I do want to embark on. If it would just help one person. Um, I made the mistake of if I didn't like the findings, if if I didn't get the answers I was looking for, if it wasn't what I thought it should be. I brought in another medium. I brought in an Indian. I brought in a Reiki healer. I brought in, I wanted to purify that house. I brought in a priest and a preacher and a witch. I mean, a warlock. 
I wanted to bless. I wanted to exercise. I wanted this done. I wanted it out. I stirred the pot way too much. That was not good. So what would you have done in retrospect? Just stuck with a single either medium or a single spiritual advisor and, and take all of their advice as opposed to get multiple opinions? You know, I think you're right. I think I would have done more research on the group that came in. Okay. Instead of just inviting in everybody's recommendation, but I got somebody and I know that they're good and I know this Mm -hmm. and I know that I should have been more guarded. How were things getting worse? Because it sounds like things were pretty bad. I mean, what began happening as all these specialists were coming in? It got really worse when Amy Allen told us that we needed a warlock to come in for three days and three nights. And right, because um, what I remember hearing was that this was these were very masculine entities, and they needed like a strong sort of alpha male spiritual leader to push them out. Was that the yes. thinking behind the warlock? Correct. Okay. He was supposed to stay in our home for three days and three nights, and we were to get a hotel for three days and three nights and remove our pets and let him do his magic. Well, he came in, and he says, I do not need to do this for three days and three nights. I got this. So he was very, very, very confident. Almost narcissistic. Mm -hmm. And when he came in, everybody was like, okay, leave. You know, Deanna and Tom leave. And I was like, I don't feel good about this and I do not want to leave our house. And they were like, no, the warlock needs to do his work. Well, as soon as we left the house, I was like, Tom, I don't have a good feeling about this. Now, they were filming the warlock. Mm. Uh, do his magic. Okay. And they, they wanted to film him to see what they were doing and, and, you know, to put it on an episode. And what had happened is as they were filming them, now we do have a really high tech alarm system, but the problem was the alarm system was not on. They were filming a show, but the alarm system went off. And when it went off, it was like 911. Now the producer's like, you got to get back here. The house is going crazy. The alarm is going off. We can't get this to stop. It will not turn off. The house was definitely up in arms and did not want this warlock in the house. And when we walked in, this poor guy looked all disheveled. His robe was soaked. His face, he looked, I thought he was going to have a heart attack because I looked at him and he was all red. He was puffy. He was sweating profusely. And I said, are you okay? And he walked over to the producer, said something. And walked right by Tom and I, walked right by us, didn't say one word to us, didn't anything. And he walked out. He left. He walked to where his car was on the side of the road. He violently threw up on the road, got in his car, and he left. Wow. 
So even he couldn't do anything. No. And from that day forward, it was really bad. Tom and I no longer were just hearing things, but now we were getting visual. Now things happened in a, in a visual manner. Like I was going to bed one night and as I was going up the stairs, there was 13 stairs to get upstairs to the bedroom. And as I was going upstairs, and all of a sudden, I got really, really scared. And I saw my cat, Peony, at the top of the steps. And all of a sudden, she just kind of blew up and she tore off. And I looked up in the corner and there was this black mass. And then this black mass in this corner, it started creeping out like long tree branches were just coming at me like some kind of Harry Potter movie. And as these tree branches were coming at me, all of a sudden the glowing of the red eyes and it looked like serpent eyes. I just stood there. I, I couldn't move. I was frozen in fear. And these big long arms came out to me with these big long talons and they grabbed each of my shoulder and launched me off. I landed down on the tile, hit my head on the wall, and with that, I felt my hair being pulled and I was drug out into the kitchen. And then when my husband heard this, I just, you know, the wind had been knocked out of me. And my husband was like, oh my God, Dee, what's the matter? Oh my God, I'm going to call an ambulance. Well, long story short, I told him not to call the ambulance. I got up about 30 minutes later. I went and saw my family physician the next day. I had a hairline fracture of my tailbone from, yeah, from the depth of the fall. Oh my gosh. I was pushed. Things are clearly ramping up very significantly at this point. And now we're how many years into you being in the house? We did the assaulted with the dead files in 2014. Okay. We bought, so we bought the house in 07. Okay. So, so that's seven years in. I mean, but it, it just didn't stop. It was nonstop. Like another example, like I was in the bathroom and I was just getting ready for the evening. I was getting ready to turn in and uh, I started brushing my teeth. And as I was just brushing my teeth and brushing my teeth and then I spit in the sink and I swish out, spit in the sink, dry off my mouth, hang up my towel. And then all of a sudden I smelt blood. I just had a wave of just, oh, it was, it, it was just so foul of just fresh blood and I went to walk away like ooh I went to walk away to go ask Tom what that smell was and my feet started slipping from underneath me in the bathroom wow and I went oh my god and I looked down and where I'd taken a bath And where I walked over to the bathroom sink, there was blood coming from the bathtub, coming out, like, you know, like you could actually see the blood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Saw the blood. I was standing in the blood and it stopped at the doorway 
where the bathroom is and where you would go out into the hallway. And I looked down at myself because I thought I was dying. I thought it was coming from me. Oh, my God. Practically, you know, you got to be practical of about course. it. So I thought, oh, I'm dying. Like, I'm dying. And, and I looked down, and I'm okay. And there was blood everywhere. And all of a sudden, like, I just got this wave of fear where I was just like, <laughs> Completely you know, terrified. like, you know, I crept out. And then when I crept out of the bathroom and I'm holding on to the wall, as soon as I got out of the bathroom, I went to grab Tom because I started screaming like, oh, my God, Tom, oh, my God, you know, there's blood all over you. And I'm just like hysterical. And when he was like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? So like it was trying to pull us apart. And when I, I said, look in the bathroom, you know, when he looked, there was nothing there. It was really working on Tom and I putting us at odds. Right. I've heard that that's common with malevolent paranormal entities is they will try to stir up issues within the household amongst loved ones. Because the more negative emotions you're feeling, the more powerful they become. Yes. But there seemed to be a real fight in you and a defiance in you to fight back against these entities, from what I understand. I mean, there seemed to be a sense yes. of, no, 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 this is my house. and. I am not leaving. How were you able to yes. find that kind of strength? Because most people probably would not have been able to to have had that attitude and fight back. Well, first of all, we bought the house for 218000 in 07, and then the market crashed. Mm -hmm. We borrowed $30,000 from our parents to get the house. I kept telling Tom we, you know, that we had to sell the house, we had to sell the house, but we were top-heavy. And when I realized that all of my kicking and screaming and throwing a fit and having a tantrum and fighting with Tom wasn't working mm -hmm. and it was drawing us apart. And I said, I can't have this. You know, I can't lose Tom. He was the most important thing in my life besides my children. For me, just me personally, I had a higher power with God. You know, I have a personal relationship with him. So he is who I looked up to, and I just was not going to let this. I was going to try my best. But let me tell you, dear, towards the end, it won. It won. I, 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 I couldn't do it anymore. It got to the point, after much, many more occurrences had happened, many more investigators, more, you know, paranormal groups, I started developing good friends and becoming good friends with a lot of, of these people. And, you know, I, I found a lot of strength in them, but it got to the point I couldn't, I couldn't take it. it. It got down to the point where I told my husband, I said, I don't want a divorce, but please understand. I love you with all my heart. But if you want to stay here, you can, but this thing's going to kill us. It's going to kill me and I'm going to go get an apartment. And that's how we're going to have to live. As long as you want to live here, I have to live away. I, and I mean, I was bawling. I said, I can't do this of course. anymore. Uh, this thing was, was killing me physically, 
and emotionally as well. When did you finally move out? We finally moved out a year and a half ago. All right. And uh, that's when we moved out. And we were only able to buy this house because I lost my parents. And when I lost my parents, I got some inheritance and we were able to buy this house only through my parents' estate. And it sounds like you're in a very positive place now and very safe. In a great, great place. Deanna, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story with us today. Thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you. It's such a pleasure talking to you. And I mean, you're a real survivor and this is, this is pretty incredible. Thank you. If you yourself have had an encounter with the paranormal, extraterrestrial, cryptid animals, glitches in the matrix, or anything out of the ordinary, we'd like to hear from you. Email us at guests at whatwasthatpodcast.com. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. And remember that the truth is your best protection. Welcome to What Was That? I'm your host, Nick Taylor. The Grim Reaper is an image that's been etched in our minds for generations as the ultimate harbinger of death, a bringer of souls from this life to the next. Origins of the Grim Reaper appear to have dated back as far as the 14th century during the Black Plague when 60% of Europe's population fell. But few know that the Hooded Spectre has not only deep mythological origins, but has been the subject of a series of sightings. The Reaper is classified as a psychopomp, an entity responsible for escorting newly departed souls from Earth into the afterlife. Despite popular belief, the Reaper's role has never been to kill, but to guide. As an angel of death known to visit the dead and the dying, there have been multiple cases of Grim Reaper sightings amongst hospital nurses and other practitioners who encounter death on a regular basis. Despite the fear and terror he may evoke, the Reaper has also been known to be a helpful specter. Take, for example, one account of a Midwestern man who was visited by the hooded phantom while watching TV on the couch one night. He was given the message someone he loved was close to death, only to rush up the stairs and find that his wife had attempted suicide. In the case of 27-year-old Ray, who we're about to speak to, the Reaper paid him a visit to deliver a message, and he was not alone. Rumor has it that a non-deadly Grim Reaper visitation means that you yourself will one day be recruited to become a Reaper, which begs the question as to whether or not there is a single Grim Reaper, or if this is a classification of dutiful ghosts. Classic depictions of the Grim Reaper show a black-hooded skeletal figure who holds a scythe, with which he harvests the souls of the dead. However, most report that the face of death is not a face at all, and our guest today described the entity as consisting of a darkness beyond what his eyes could comprehend, a vacuous absence of matter. Let's listen to Ray's story now. All right, Ray, thank you for being here with us today. You had an experience with the Grim Reaper, from what I understand. Can you tell this story from the beginning and, and tell us exactly what happened? 
I live alone in my apartment. I remember like I, I woke up around midnight or something like that. I, I feel like there's someone watching me. My first instinct was, you know, like there was a robber in my apartment. Like my first instinct, like, okay, there's someone in here. I, I should like wake up. This black entity, like uh, like a uh, like a silhouette of a, of a hooded man that you know was standing like a few centimeters from from my bed. I was thinking that oh, this might be uh, you know I might be having a sleep paralysis or something like that. And you have a so, history of sleep paralysis, right? Yeah, I have a history of sleep paralysis. Weird thing is that you know usually with sleep paralysis, like once I start to move, like all the all the hallucination stop, but. Uh, but this one, I woke up and I was able to move, you know, my body and, and I jolted up from my bed, you know, and this thing, you know, was still there and it was just still uh, standing still. So I was like, okay, this is not sleep paralysis. I was feeling very terrified to the point that you, I couldn't even say a word or like, you know, do anything. You know, I can still stay clearly in the dark. So it's like, light doesn't bounce up of, of this creature or something like that. Light, and, so he was completely unaffected by light. So it sounds like what I'd heard you describe it yeah. as is it's an absence of a presence, like it's an absence of any color, yeah. almost like a kind of yeah. you know yeah. vacuum. It's one of those things that it wouldn't make sense if you you know if you don't see it. You know, like mm -hmm. that's the best way I can describe it. And it slowly, I wouldn't say it walked, it kind of floated. You know, like okay, and it spoke to me in a language that I wouldn't be uh, that I couldn't understand. You know, like. It spoke to me in, in Arabic, you know, and I live in, you know, I live in Southeast Asia, so I understand a little bit, but like not enough for yeah. it to be able to, you know, understand what other people are saying in Arabic. So it spoke to me in Arabic, but like the thing is, I was able to understand what, what it was saying. When it spoke to me in Arabic, it felt like I heard like my first language, if that makes any sense. Okay. It said that there's someone who wants to meet me, and I was still, you know, downfounded by this thing in front of me right that i couldn't even can even comprehend what well and now he's telling you somebody then, wants to meet you yeah someone uh, someone wants to meet me there's this like woman there's this you know like woman in in her early 20s you know she was just like a regular you know woman and uh, we see on the street she had that kind of glow i guess there's something off about her like hmm. skin you know like it's like it kind of pales but it sounds like he was introducing her to you. How yeah. did she enter? Did she just kind of materialize into the room? Did you see her walk no, through a uh, door? She kind of fade in into the room, you know? Okay. And how did she look compared to him? Because, I mean, as we, as we talked about before, there was an absence of color and an absence yeah. of any sort of presence. Now, did she look similar yeah. or was she, she said, sounds yeah. like she was glowing almost ectoplasmic, you know, like a, like a ghost. Is that accurate? She's not like, translucent you know like i can you know she's still she looks like a solid matter okay she doesn't seem like she defy any kind of law of nature but like the creature but right but like the only thing that off about her is that she, she kind of looks really pale but like and kind of emits a little bit light from from her body yeah you know, she was wearing this like like a sundress or something like that you mm -hmm. know with, with a flower pattern on it she walked towards me she sat uh, at the side of my bed and you know she she told me about uh, the gist of it is that she said, take care of my mom and, you know, like be, you know, be a good person or something like that. Do good things, basically. Okay. And what was uh, her general attitude? I mean, was she smiling? Did she look sad? She was smiling. She, she seemed like, like carefree, you know, like she, okay. she, she looks peaceful. She talked to me. I remember I looked at her and she, I was just, you know, nodding to like, 
what she said. And, you know, the creature, it was still standing there, you know, didn't do anything. Just, it just stood there silently okay. while she was talking to me. Now, if we could go back and to then, the creature for a second, is does he have a face yeah. or is he just basically a, a shrouded silhouette? It doesn't have a face that I could, I couldn't make out a face. It's just all black, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now she's still she's still sitting at the side of your bed, and she's telling you basically to be a good person and to take care of your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take care of my family. Take care of my mom. I didn't recognize her face because you know, but she looks familiar. You know, hmm. like, I couldn't put my finger on it. She was talking to me about you know my family, so I kind of assumed like, maybe this is like one of my family members, something like that. After she said or what she came to say, she stood up and she walked like a few centimeters from my back and then she kind of faded away and the creature you know, was about to follow it looked at me and it laughed it was laughing at me he said don't do anything stupid and then it's gone i blacked out next thing i know and i woke up and it's already noon and at first i thought maybe i was you know like did i drink something last night but i didn't you know i didn't have didn't drink anything. I didn't, you know, smoke anything. But it's just, if it were a dream, like, it felt so real, you know, like, it felt so real. And, you know, because, like, I, I was aware of my surroundings. Mm-hmm. I was in my room. I was aware that the creature was, you know, I was listening to what the woman was saying. And then I got a call from my mom. My aunt has passed away, and she needed me to go back home and to, like, you know, take care of her funeral. Okay. I'm from Bali, so I came back to Bali. I was rearranging her funeral. And after after the funeral had ended, you know, like, I was kind of like cleaning up all of her stuff. Uh, and I was, I was helping my mom clean, clean all of her and you know, all of my aunt's stuff. Uh, you know, I was looking at like, uh, like a picture, but I saw like one picture. It was like a picture of her during her, like I guess, college years or uh, something like that. And she was wearing the same sundress with, with the flower pattern, just like the woman that came to me. So it was your aunt who who had visited you that night. Yeah, you know, apparently, you know, it was my aunt, but like, you know, a younger version of my aunt, basically. Wow. And it sounds like she was guided by this this hooded figure to find her way to to deliver this message to you. It sounds like he was some sort of a a guide. I'm sure after this had happened, you told people about it. What was the general reactions that you'd gotten either from family or people close to you? I told my friends, but I don't. I didn't tell my mom or like my my family because like you know i don't want to like create you know something out of you know what basically is just a stupid thing that happened to me but i told my friends about it some of my friends they told me that they have the same thing happening like like kind of the same thing but not the same thing they told Hmm. me that you know they had a dream of their dead relative you know coming to them and you know talking to them none of my friends none of my, none of the people that i've talked about ever said that there was a creature okay that's what stood up for me like many of my friends talk about yeah you know yeah my my dad you know before he passed away he came to me like in a dream and told me that everything's going to be okay but and something like that but like never never mention of the, the creature so that's it's kind of kind of freaks me out you know because like am i the only one who's who saw this creature well, I've read multiple other Grim Reaper stories on Reddit of people, and and they they describe what they see similarly, and they describe it as the absence of color, which, you know, describing it to somebody, they can't really visualize it. It sounds like something you can't visualize until you've actually seen it. Now, have you spoken to anybody else who's experienced anything similar or read any similar stories of people who have seen anything that matches the description of what you saw? I couldn't find someone who... You know who had the same encounter up until I post that you know, 
Reddit posts. Three people like DM me and say, hey, the creature that you're describing, I've had a counter with creatures similar like that. And, you know, it's the absence of color and all that. So like, okay, so it was not just me. Yeah. Well, that must have been comforting to know that you were not the only one who had had an experience yeah. like this. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. I thought I was like, you know, crazy because like, you know, like, did I imagine the creature? Have, you know, mm-hmm. so, but like, apparently not, I guess. Well, have you talked to any spiritual advisors about this? Has anybody who who knows about these matters spoken mm-hmm. to you about it? Uh, no, no. But what, what surprises me is that, you know, the, the way that the creature communicated with me, you know, like, like I said, it was spoken in a, in a language that I could understand, but I was, but at the time I was able to understand it perfectly. Mm-hmm. I remember why why it spoke to me in Arabic, but but again, you know, because I was raised a Muslim, so maybe that had something to do with it. But mm. like, I, you know, even that, I'm not I'm not very religious, you know, and I was raised a Muslim, but I'm not a Muslim anymore. So maybe it spoke to me uh, in Arabic because you know it knows that I used to be Muslim and something like that. Yeah, it's very curious that it not only spoke to you in Arabic, but you were able to understand it. It's pretty extraordinary. I mean, this creature is like, you know, it defies the law of physics. It's not a stretch to like to think that you can able to do that or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it laughed at you. It sounds like it has a little bit of a sense of humor, maybe, or not really. Yeah, I, I like to think that, you know, I think it knows that I was scared shitless, you know. I don't know. I, I like to think that it, it never, like, it, it rarely get the chance to, like, meet a person and not take you know, take it take his life, but like so I like to think that it, it was just him entertaining himself. So right, that's funny. Wow. Well, have you read up on the Grim Reaper after this? I'm sure you've done some research, and I mean, have you learned anything else about this figure? So here's the thing: in in my country, in Indonesia, in, 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 which is Indonesia, there's like two types of I guess supernatural creature that people believe. One is called Satan. One is called uh, Jin. Uh, oh, Jin. But Satan uh, or Satan is basically, you know, usually people believe that Satan is just like this low life creature, you know, like that. They only like mess mess with you, you know, just like if you like see like any horror movies that bumps in the night, that's Satan, you know, Mm -hmm. that's Satan. But like Jinn or demon is like something that you know more than that's like higher being. Mm -hmm. I think that that creature is kind of like you know Jinn because like there's something that you know something out of a movie, you know, something out of yeah. Well, it sounds like you're pretty convinced that this was the Grim Reaper. Is that accurate? To be honest, I don't know what it is, but you know, like based on my basic understanding of all those supernatural things, that's the only apt description to describe this mm-hmm. you know, creature. Yeah. Well, have you had any supernatural experiences since? Uh, no, like ever since then, I never like encounter. I never encounter like that kind of you know that level of supernatural. Uh, experience or something like that you know like maybe like again like just bumps in the night or like something that's corner my eye but like again like i'm skeptical about you know those stuff maybe mm-hmm. but, you know never in that level ever again hopefully not i guess and last question how has this experience changed your beliefs it changed my belief in the sense that there's something that i guess bigger than us again i'm not a religious person but i believe there's something you know that i guess we cannot comprehend there's yeah something like more than just what we see with our eyes absolutely well ray thank you so much for sharing your story with us today no problem if you yourself have had an encounter with the paranormal extraterrestrial cryptid animals glitches in the matrix or anything out of the ordinary we'd love to hear from you send us an email at guests at what was that podcast.com 
Thank you as always for tuning in and remember that we are not alone.